Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Crown Capital's Q3 2021 results conference call. Please note that today's call contains forward-looking statements within the meaning of the applicable Canadian securities legislation. Forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties, as well as other factors that may cause actual financial results, performance, or achievements to be materially, materially different from estimated future results, performance, or achievements expressed or implied by those forward-looking statements. For a description of the risks associated with Crown's business, please refer to the company's filings for Q3 2021 at sadara.com. Following the call, we will be conducting a Q&A session. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Chris Johnson. Please go ahead, sir. Great. Uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's conference call. I'm joined, as usual, by Mike Overveld, our Chief Financial Officer. It was another active quarter for Crown as we continue to execute on the transformation of the company that began back in 2000. With the divestment of a majority stake in the lending business during Q3, and substantially reduced exposure to the Crown Partners Fund over the last several quarters, the transformation of our operations and balance sheet are now coming into greater focus. Recall that our first strategic priority is to reposition the balance sheet, reducing our exposure to loan-based investments and improving the efficiency of our capital. Freed up capital will be redirected to growth initiatives, paying down debt, and return to shareholders. Over the past year, our efforts on this front have resulted in the return of approximately $40 million of capital which has allowed us to reduce debt while also returning $4.3 million of capital to shareholders through issuer bids. During the quarter, we announced the results of our first SIB, which resulted in the purchase of cancellation of approximately 560,000 shares at a purchase price of $550 per share. Between this SIB and our normal course issuer bid, we've reduced outstanding shares by approximately 10%. Yesterday, we announced our intention to commence a second SIB, to purchase up to 10 million in shares with a tender price range from 650 to 750 per share. This offer represents approximately 16 to 18% of the total shares of standing. The offer is open until December 22nd. An additional detail will be published in the circular next week. As you look at the balance sheet at the quarter end, we had roughly 53 million in investment associate, which is our retained interest in Crown Partners Fund, inclusive of accrued performance fees. There were two repayments in the third quarter, CARE-X and Triple Five, and we're working towards repayment of a material percentage of the portfolio over the next 12 months. Our second strategic priority is to expand and diversify our platform with a focus on recurring revenue assets in businesses where Crown's capital can be scaled and leveraged. Going forward, this is where we are focusing our management resources and capital. In addition to the transformation of our balance sheet, we have changed the composition of our income statement. The key highlight for Q3, once again, was the growth of network service platform. Network service revenue has increased to $7.4 million, up from $2.5 million in Q3 2020. The year-over-year revenue reflects the increase of Galaxy as well as organic growth. We have a healthy pipeline of opportunities, including numerous community network partnership opportunities. We're currently constructing our first builds 
with our recently formed Community Network Partners Development Platform Company and expect to advance several more in 2022. From a funding perspective, as our investment grows, we'll continue to raise commitments from third-party investors and fund asset growth to capitalize on this market opportunity. On the distributed power side, at quarter end, four distributed power projects are operational and under lease agreements. In addition, the fund has an seven other projects under development at various stages of completion, including three expected to become operational by the end of the year and the others to become operational in Q1 2022. Overall progress has been slower than anticipated. However, we're seeing a significant increase in opportunity in the Alberta marketplace. We just completed our first full quarter of operation and ownership of Lumberman's business and are happy with the early results. We also continue to make good progress with the Penequity development properties, albeit these are longer-term projects. With that, I'll turn the call over to Mike. All right, thanks, Chris. Um, and good morning, everyone. Uh, press release full financials for the quarter were filed yesterday evening, and they do feature a bit of a different look this quarter, as Chris touched on. Uh, I'll focus my comments on some of the changes we've made to the accounting and to the disclosures in Q3, uh, and uh, I'll touch on a few of the major items from the Q3 results. Uh, it can address any questions you have on other aspects of the results in the Q&A session at the end of the call. As mentioned, the biggest change uh, is that we're no longer consolidating Crown Partners Fund. You know, this change became effective on July 13th when we sold uh, Crown Private Credit Partners, our alternative lending fund management business, and transferred to it the management contract from Crown Partners Fund. At that point, we were no longer deemed to have control of the fund and instead are now deemed to have significant influence over it such that we're now accounting for it on the equity method. The main impacts of this change, just to walk you through those, are as follows. You know, one, on the balance sheet, we're now including our investment in Crown Partners Fund on a single asset line called Investment in Crown Partners Fund. Uh, this uh, number includes the carrying value of our limited partnership interest in addition to that of our general partnership interest and a full breakdown and continuity of the carrying value can be found in note five of the Q3 financial statements. As a result of that, other balance sheet items no longer include any amounts related to Crown Partners Fund, with the biggest impact being on the investments line, as well as in the cash, the receivables, uh, the NCI, and the distributions payable to NCI lines, which are now uh, all either smaller or nil in the consolidated balance sheet. Second point is that uh, we had a similar impact in our income statement where we're now including the net earnings contribution as a single revenue item called share of earnings of Crown Partners Fund, which includes our share of the earnings attributable to each of our limited partnership and our general partnership interests. Uh, the deconsolidation, of course, resulted in a sizable reduction in interest revenue and in earnings attributable to NCI, among other items. Third thing I'll mention on, uh, in terms of changes uh, uh, of the impact of this on our financials is that uh, you'll see in our Q3 results, we've recorded a $1.6 million gain on derecognition of subsidiary. It's comprised of two things. First is that the LP units that we sold as part of the carve-out transaction were sold at fair value, which was higher than our carrying value and resulted in a realized gain of about $0.4 million in the quarter. The second part of that is that when we changed the basis of accounting for our, our retained interest in the fund, we had to establish an opening carrying value at a level equal to fair value, which resulted in a $1.2 million gain in the quarter. 
So as you read through our Q3 financial disclosures, just please keep in mind that the Q3 figures in many cases are not directly comparable to the results of the prior periods. Now, to be clear, the amount of earnings that we recognized in Q3 under the new accounting methodology for Crown Partners Fund is no different than we would have recognized if it was still consolidated, other than the gains related to the transaction. And although we had to mark up the carrying value of the retained interest of the fund to fair value, it will not be marked to market on a regular basis going forward. We're going to continue to recognize our share of the fund's income as determined by the fund under IFRS. Also, to be clear, uh, we continue to own 100% of the general partner Crown Partners Fund, and the performance fee from that uh, fund continues to accrue to us. This is essentially what the general partnership interest component represents in the interest in Crown Partners Fund balance sheet item, and 50% of that fee uh, that will be payable to plan participants, mostly employees, that continues to be represented on our balance sheet as a provision for performance bonus liability. So no changes there. I'll also point out a couple of other considerations related to the carve-out transaction. Uh, one is that after selling a portion of our LP interest in the fund for $16.3 million, uh, our interest in the fund fell from 36.5% to 28%, meaning that all else equal, our share of earnings from Crown Partners Fund has been reduced such that it now represents a smaller you know, overall contribution to the consolidated results. The second thing to point out is that we were able, as Chris mentioned, get our balance on our revolving credit facility down to nil in Q3. Uh, we used the proceeds from the LP unit sale as well as our share of uh, the two uh, subsequent loan repayments that Chris mentioned uh, to repay uh, our own loan. And as an aside, the fund has also since fully repaid its own revolving facility and is also now debt-free, although that's no longer consolidated. The other notable change in our Q3 disclosures is, what, is that we've uh, enhanced our segmented reporting. Specifically, in addition to our existing network services and specialty finance segments, we've added reportable segments for real estate, distributed power, and corporate and other. Uh, specialty finance at this point includes our investment in Crown Partners Fund plus residual loan balances held by Crown that have an aggregate carrying value of just two, two and a half million dollars. Uh, the real estate segment simply includes the properties we acquired from Penn Equity through the related holding companies. And corporate and other includes our investment in Lumbermans but is mostly comprised of corporate level expenses and debt including our converts. I guess turning back to Q3 results, the only other items I'd note would include the following. One, as Chris mentioned, revenues from our network services business continued to grow, $7.4 million versus $6.8 million in Q2, $2.5 million a year ago, um, uh, which was before we had the benefit of the uh, Galaxy acquisition. And earnings before income tax, financing charges, and depreciation from this segment in Q3 was $2 million and is tracking ahead of expectations that we had at the beginning of the year. Uh, second uh, notable thing, you'll just, because it stands out when you scan the income statement, I'll mention it, when you, you'll see that our share-based comp expense line is a net recovery uh, of 46,000 this quarter. That's really the result of the cancellation of our MTPU medium-term comp program in Q3 that involved the partial settlement of outstanding units and the cancellation of all other invested units. Uh, the value of the settled units was simply less than we previously accrued for, resulted in a net recovery in Q3 that more than offset the impact that a higher share price had on the uh, outstanding DDSU liability.
And the other item that stands out in the Q3 results is a negative $2 million item from the remeasurement of financial instruments, as the line item is called. Uh, just to make that clear, uh, uh, $1.8 million of that relates to a reduction in the value on the lease burnout note receivable associated with the uh, PRC Stony Creek property, uh, where leasing activity lagged earlier expectations and will result in a lower than expected payout in respect to that earnout note. We do expect that at least some of that shortfall uh, you know, can still be earned by Penn Equity itself in the form of leasing fees in subsequent quarters, which would provide additional support for the value of our residual loan to the company. Uh, interest uh, revenue, you know, at this point, as Chris mentioned, uh, is a lot smaller. It now solely includes revenue from Crown Power Fund, uh, which was 0.3 million, essentially unchanged. Uh, in summary, uh, AFFO, our adjusted funds from operation of $2.4 million uh, in the quarter was the same as a year ago, but on a per share basis, that's 28 cents versus 25 cents a year ago. Um, we had net income of 0.8 million this quarter, 1.8 million year to date, and that compares with losses in the prior periods. As we've articulated in the past, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're aiming for a cleaner P&L cleaner uh, as we go through this uh, process. Uh, and uh, the simple objective uh, that we have going forward is growth in earnings per share. We believe that over time, EPS growth from a diversified set of operating businesses, such uh, one that we're assembling, will be the best path to long-term value creation. Finally, I've, I'll just point out that total equity per share quarter end was 79 million bucks. That's $9.37 per basic share compared with $8.98 a year end 2020. Uh, with share buybacks completed this year, contributing to a higher book value per share. With all of that, I'll turn it back to Chris for some closing comments. Great. Well, thanks, Mike. So just to wrap up our remarks this morning, it's been a very productive 2021 that has seen us accelerate the transition of the balance sheet and our operations. Quite simply, our business is very different today than it was this time last year, and we expect this progress to continue through uh, 2022. Uh, the SAB we announced yesterday represents another material step, and we look forward to updating you on the milestones in the coming months. So with that, we'll turn over the call to uh, for questions. Operator? All right. Thank you so much. If you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, press star 1 to ask a question. We will pause for just a moment to allow everyone an opportunity to signal for questions. All right, it appears there are no questions at this time. I would like to turn the conference back to the speakers for any additional or closing remarks. That's great. Well, thank you everyone for joining us this morning. As always, uh, we're available to talk outside of the quarters as well. Have a great day. This concludes today's call. Thank you all for your participation. You may not. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.